0: This is a can of worms.
1: Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. suits are online welcome to house
0: party protocol power of suits and welcome in to another episode of house party protocol my name is will and with me today is the man from the slightly warmer than usual but still probably white north it's the one and only leland what's happening my guy
2: not much, not much. We we are enjoying a uh, a relatively warm period this week. We have a whole bunch of uh, temperatures in the high twenties, and <laughs> which I think for you guys down there translates into like the the mid to high eighties. I think no, mid to high seventies. I think is what it is. But ah, okay. Yeah, it's it, it's it's nice and pleasant, but everyone's cut their grass and the pollen is up and allergies abound.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That's I'm pretty sure that the the yard people that cut my yard are outside right now and. Uh, while, while okay. we're recording here, so that's, that's definitely happening because, look, I have allergies. This is a whole thing. It would be really bad, and when I walk out of my podcasting studio, and by podcasting studio, I mean shed, uh, when I walk out of my shed to wherever I'm going to go later, I'm going to be just blasted with pollen and allergies. It's that time of year. It's officially summer, apparently. Like, I don't know. If you guys have a similar holiday like we have Memorial Day, it's uh, this past Monday, and that unofficially marks the start of summer. And yeah, it's it's summer. So yeah,
2: yeah we we, we got the uh, we got the May two four weekend for uh, uh, it's like Queen Victoria Day. Okay, um, you know us being part of the Commonwealth and everything like that. So that that was uh, we had that last week.
0: Okay, yeah. So so y'all officially started summer a week before us, but we're definitely hotter. So uh, I don't know what's going
2: on here. <laughs> you know, we we have to cling to that hot weather however we can, right? So if we pretend summer starts sooner, we can pretend we're warmer for longer.
0: I like it. I like it. So speaking of things that are pretty hot right now, Leland, we're gonna have a, a really good show today for the suits out there. One that I'm excited to talk about, and I feel like it's a topic that I've kind of danced around a little bit recently. Of you know, hey, what's the state of the game? Power these characters? What's this Battlecruiser meta that's going on? All of this different stuff. And it's something that if you turn back the clock a year ago, we had a bit of a rebalance. They had the card pack that was announced. I think it was announced in June or was it released? I can't remember.
2: I think it was, I think it was released in June because I think what happened is they, they had announced it in like the September or October the year before. Yeah. They released it digitally uh shortly after that and then it was about a six month period before we actually got the cards themselves if i recall correctly
0: yeah yeah i think that sounds about right i just can't remember the exact timing but either way it's been about a year since we got that card pack and i felt like now would be a really good time to take a look at things and maybe say hey what needs changing what needs updating And then take some show questions from some of the suits out there to kind of help us along this path here. But the big one I want to start with is one that I think is going to spark a little controversy. And by controversy, I just mean it'll be a good debate and a bit of conversation, I think, here on the show, as well as within the community. And most of you know that have been listening to this for a while. If you're new here, welcome in. I'm glad to have you. This is a great episode to start on. But most of you guys know that I'm generally in the camp of this game is extremely well balanced. There aren't things that are so overtuned or undertuned for the most part. You can you can make Viper work, right? Like Viper is probably my least utilized character and and the most blah character in this game for me. You can make her work. You can put her in a list. I've I've won a game because Viper had stealth and could not be gotten to with an objective at one point. So so like that that's a thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Yeah. (laughs) And so I I feel like this game is pretty well balanced. I think that a lot of the what what do I want to say here? A lot of the ire that certain characters get. Might be unwarranted at times and and I harken back to something like Dr. Voodoo as an example right and and we'll we'll start with him, I guess, as a character that at one point, the drum was banging so hard to change that character, and it's always been my opinion that he's kind of kind of okay, like he's a strong four. And possession is a strong superpower, and if they're going to change anything on him, the only thing that needs to change, in my humble opinion, is that when he gets dazed, his brother Daniel token should automatically come back. That's
2: it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that actually speaks to the, the nature of the game that a lot of the time when we do discuss potential changes or balances or tweaks, a lot of the time they're very minor. Right? we're We're not discussing wide sweeping changes uh, on how a lot of cards function, but rather it's like if they were to just tweak this little thing here, you know that card would be a lot more playable or it would reduce negative play experiences or just flow better in a lot of cases
0: exactly. But I feel like we're at a good time in the game to have this discussion because we've had the crisis changes for a while, and those, I think in and of themselves really changed a lot of play styles and a lot of kind of uh, the meta, if you will. And other than Malakith, when he first came out, I'd say this game is is pretty well balanced. And by and large, I think that we're in a good state of the game. Would you agree, Leland?
2: Or less. Yeah, I did have some concerns when I saw uh, Immortal Hulk hit, but I think my concerns have kind of been put to rest on that one. His uh, his health pool and his his ability to stay alive hasn't been as uh, as detrimental as I uh, as I thought. So I will I will gladly admit when I when I was wrong about an initial take, and I think that one uh, I was a little concerned for no reason on that one. Yeah, I mean I tried to tell you, I, I tried to tell you. <laughs> well, I'm not going <laughs> to listen to you. <laughs>
0: I know. Look, nobody should listen to me on anything. Honestly, I don't I don't know how I how I get people to keep clicking download, but hey, here we are, and I love it, and. The thing I think I want to start this discussion with is with a character and specifically a card that is tied to a character Leland. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, you you're transitioning into the rage bait of uh, social media podcasting at this point and uh, th- this is going to be good. I'm going to I'm going to let you say it but I know who you're talking about.
0: <laughs> okay, so if you haven't already guessed I'm talking about Mystique and Deception. So if you're out there in the ether of Marvel Crisis Protocol Gaming and you haven't run into Mystique and Deception, congratulations, you have dodged bullets. Literal bullets. But if you have played against Mystique and Deception, you understand how powerful of an effect it can be. Now, it's not the end-all, be-all effect. It's not the most potent combo in the game per se, but it's a very strong combo. And it's one that I feel like pops up every now and again. And it's especially potent right now for a few different reasons. Leland, what are some of those reasons for you?
2: Well, I mean, we we have the oft heard uh, senators play with that one yep. where, uh, you know, where they'll they'll send uh, a couple of the the big beefy boys, the battle cruisers, as apparently they're called, which never heard until your your show, to be honest. Hey, but that's a, um, that's a great name, isn't it? It, it seems appropriate for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, where they'll send them up, grab, uh, grab the opposing players, senator, uh, and then just kind of like run back using a superpower. And then the second you go up to try and take one yourself. You know, deception will just yank you across the uh, the table uh, right into the middle of all these these big beefy characters, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely one. And then the other one that has gotten me out a couple of times is Malakith Cabal. So you have Mystique affiliated in Cabal. So Malakith and Mystique that makes ten, and then you can run Red Skull, Master of Hydra, at fifteen, and You've got four models on the table because the grunts count, and Mystique is able to potentially go up and yoink a target into Malakith double-tap range off the rip. And it's not unbeatable, but it's a play that you just have to be extremely aware of, and it is powerful where Malakith rolling twice after Ferocity... I mean that's usually going to do the trick on a lot of less battle cruisery models. So that's a it tends to be a pretty potent combo.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's definitely hard to pick up and play against, especially if you don't know what to expect. Exactly, uh, and that's that's probably one of the biggest problems with with mystique and deception at the moment. If if you are a newer player, you're not quite as as exposed to it. It becomes a rather mean negative play experience.
0: It certainly can lead into that, and like you said, in a casual sense, like go into your local game night and somebody picks up the Brotherhood set, right? And they've got Magneto, Mystique, Toad, maybe Sabretooth, they maybe picked up a Blob and Pyro, whoever, whomever, whatever, right? They have these characters, but they just want to play Mystique, you know? They just want to say, okay, cool, I'm going to play my Brotherhood, I'm going to have Mystique, and Mystique is a, a... Powerful character in her own right that has an action that can just do two damage, just straight up, no matter what, if you're within a piece of terrain that she can blow up, she's blowing it up and it's just two damage, good luck. I can't tell you how many times that superpower has caught me out. Ugh, I hate it. But that's neither here nor there. I,
2: uh, oh, I, I I love I love the power. I just always wish I could remember it takes an action before I put it into my plans.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's the thing. It takes that action. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine if it didn't? Oh, it'd be busted. It'd be busted. So, anyways, if if you're just a casual player and you just want to play Mystique, like that's great. And I, I think that Mystique running at her or against her in a thematic setting where you're just like cool we're gonna play mutant good guys versus mutant bad guys depending on your argument you can i'll let you de- decide what side of that argument you're on out there suits but good guys versus bad guys and it, it's a fun time you know it's just a thematic fun time same thing with the casual thing but when you go to an event and you see mystique malekith master red skull that's it's, it's really hard to play against if you don't have certain tools in your lineup, if you don't have the know-how against that, and it's one of those things that, I don't know about you, Leland, anytime I go to an event and I run into someone that is running Mystique and they have Deception, I usually don't have a specific counter to that other than I do not move outside of range two of any of my characters on turn one i just don't do it
2: well it's a, it's about the only way to properly counter right like it's because you're not going to be able to you take mystique off the board on round one there's no there's no possible way of doing that really uh so outside of just you know doing the buddy system and staying close to somebody that that is how you try to counter it but even that in and of itself is a very powerful impact on the game because you're you're hindering your own movement, your own positioning, and you're probably not getting objectives and early scoring that you, you want to get in order to stay uh, competitive throughout the course of the game.
0: And that's exactly it right there. If you're <laughs> playing against Mystique and you're playing, like I said, where, okay, cool, I've got Baron Mordo and he's going to be my first action. He's going to move up, but he's going to stay within range two of my deployment line and he's going to... Sp- Gain his two power. There you go. That's Baron Mordo's activation. And that's a pretty bog standard activation for me for Baron Mordo. But if there's a midline objective, I'd love to be able to say, cool, I'm going to go grab a hammer. I'm going to go grab a scroll. I'm going to go grab an alien ship core, Cree core thing, whatever the options are. I, I like being able to go grab those. But when you see that mystique across the table... It's like, okay, well, I can't go grab those. My opponent's definitely going to take an extract lead. So how do I combat this? How do I say, all right, I'm going to slow my own point scoring down and hope that I can catch back up, hope that I can put myself in a position to succeed later in the game. And the only way that I've been able to do that at times is simply because have practice against it and ultimately that's what it's going to come down to is whether or not you've seen it and again this is all speaking in it from a competitive perspective if you've seen it you know how to play against it you know what it does i mean we had a local here in memphis that he's now out of the game but when he was in the game he played brotherhood and i can't tell you how many times he used deception just perfectly against me And I was playing mainly Web Warriors at the time. So, okay, cool. Gwen's not within two of anybody. She gets deceptioned. And deception specifically says you advance a target character. It's speed. Right? So, Gwen moves long. Well, she's now in my opponent's deployment zone, basically, to where, okay, double tap time. Get wrecked.
2: Yep. Yep yeah it uh, it can pull somebody out of position really fast, really easily. and it's it's very potent when it's when it's played well, it's very potent. and quite frankly, it doesn't it doesn't have a high skill ceiling either. Like it well, rather, I should say it has a low skill floor. It's hard to play it poorly. I think is what it kind of comes down to. It yeah. will always have a big impact on the game, regardless of if you're using it in the first round, the second, or even like the fifth or the sixth round. It's always going to have an impact on the game in some form or another. And once somebody figures it out and starts using it well, it, became, it becomes very oppressive in some regards.
0: It sure can. And I think you mentioned something that I want to touch on here is whether or not you use it in the first round. So we've obviously been talking about first round plays a lot here right now, but it still has its value as the game goes on, but I personally think it has a diminishing value the longer the game goes on. How do you feel about that?
2: Uh, I don't think it diminishes that much. Uh, it's definitely not as strong as uh, when you use it in the first or second round, and you can pretty much turn on your entire team to just take out one one target. But when you look at the the late game implications of it, where you are potentially pulling somebody off off an objective maybe that's that one vp that you need to swing the game in your favor or you know maybe that that one character with stealth has run away with an objective and you know it just brings them right back into the fold uh i still think it's very strong i don't i don't think the strength of it really lessens all that much uh but i think the longer the game goes on you need to have a greater understanding of when the proper time to play it is
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably a a better way to say it, because you have to pick your moment a lot better as the game goes on. And the reason why I say I think it has a little bit of diminishing returns as the game goes on is, one, because your opportunities to play it might get lower because teammates might be closer together for certain reasons. You know, if you're playing into someone that has a bodyguard, you know, there's bodyguard situations there, there's... Could be a Luke Cage sitting there taunting people in bad positions and whatnot. And and different stuff like that, I think, is why it gets harder to play as the game goes on. And also, it's easy to miss the right time to play it. Like you mentioned, pulling somebody off of objectives and stuff like that. I mean, that is the best time. To play that card late game is to say okay cool you thought you were scoring this objective well now you're not and being able to bring someone over that has an extract like you said like those are all really good things but it's just harder to do as the game moves forward because characters are more likely to be closer together is at least in my experience.
2: I think that's definitely fair to say, like uh, we we do tend to clump up, especially late game. Um, but we're also operating usually with fewer models on the table as well by that point as um, uh, in the game as well. So there, there's definitely a lot of variables that, yeah. that come into play with this particular card. Absolutely. Even as we've discussed, though, like even just the sheer threat of deception still has a major impact on how you're playing. Because if deception's on the board, well, maybe maybe that means you are clumping up a little bit more. You're staying within that range, too, uh, using the buddy system, as it were. Whereas, you know, in other games, maybe you'd be branching out a little bit more. You'd you'd spread out a little bit more just to create a little bit more board control, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that that is a good point there of as the game goes on, yeah, sure, you might be clumped up a little more kind of naturally, but also the longer deception stays around, the more the mental load on the opponent that's going against deception has right like so it's like okay cool I have to continue to play smart or else my character is now going to be somewhere out of position or they are going to be moved into a a pile of bad guys and those bad guys are going to delete that model you know what I mean so it's a it's definitely a mental load aspect and Leland do you feel like that the caveat of keep your friends within 2 is enough for deception? Do you do you feel like that that's enough of a cost?
2: Be honest. And I I know there's people out there who are definitely going to disagree with me. I do think deception in its current form Needs something tweaked on it. The problem is, I think deception is also one of those cards where if you tweak it the wrong way, it goes from being an amazing card to being a dead card. Yeah. So it is. It's a very, very delicate um, uh, thought experiment, basically, to go with it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's really fair. So let's let's talk about this, right? So we have a tool in Marvel Crisis Protocol, the banned and restricted list. And let's start there. Do you feel like that the ban or restricted list is a place for deception?
2: I definitely don't think it's worth banning. I, I, I know it's strong, but I don't think it's 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 not game breaking strong uh, is is the thing. As far as restricted go, I think making it restricted might potentially kill the card. Interesting. Uh, to be completely honest i i don't think it's strong enough to warrant you know you you're taking it instead of say a follow me or a patch up or a sacrifice or a brace or indomitable or something like that um i don't quite think it has that same caliber or level of power as the current restricted cards we we already technically have it on a sort of restricted list because you do need to take mystique with it right So there's already that extra caveat that in order to take this, you need to have a certain three threat, not just in your roster, but even in your squad. Otherwise, it's not worth it anyway.
0: Right, right, yeah. And it's interesting looking at the restricted cards. If it were to be restricted, it would be the only character-specific card in this list, right? Because the other restricted cards that we have are... The Infinity Gem Reality, Infinity Gem Space, Advanced R&D, Brace for Impact, Disarm, Follow Me, Indomitable, Patch Up, and Sacrifice. So, you know, we, we, we're all familiar with this list. It's, it's, it's a thing. And when you think about the universal uses of these cards, putting a card like Deception on here, and like you said... You're already locked into using Mystique, but that's only a three-threat character, so your your cost for putting her in your roster, especially given that she's affiliated into some of the most potent combinations currently, I mean, Brotherhood and Cabal, it's not too big of a cost, so maybe, maybe the restricted list could work. I don't... I don't know, and and you say you think it could lead to Deception being a dead card. And I agree with you, and I don't think it's just that Deception becomes a dead card at that point. I think if you put Deception on the restricted list, you might make Mystique a dead character.
2: I think at the very least you see Mystique a lot less. Because I still think Freedom Force is a worthwhile leadership um and allows you to do some some funky things with a brotherhood list. Um but you definitely don't see her in a lot of other lists at that point because I think deception is a big big draw for for her and other lists and, and for her being splashed elsewhere.
0: Yeah I think I, I say dead character. I know someone out there is literally screaming and and being like, no, no. And you bring up a good point. Freedom Force is a good leadership and I still think the things like the Senator play All of that stuff is still online, even without deception. So, I don't think that she becomes a dead character. However, I do think that she sees significantly less splash, and I think that's okay. But I'm more of the opinion that things don't need to necessarily be restricted unless they are just heavy... Negative play experiences or game breaking things. And let's take a look at something like follow me as an example and why that got added to the restricted list. Got added to the restricted list pretty much because of Malachith. It wasn't the only thing, but Malachith follow me into something else or something following me into Malachith. I mean, it was just an impossible combination to stop. And there's no play around. Follow me, and there should be an opportunity cost to do that play, and I think that that's why it has ended up on the restricted list of okay, cool. If you want to do follow me, which our our buddy Andrew that I had talked about in a couple episodes ago, that's what he wants to do. He wants to play Malakith and follow me into Hulk and just delete as much as possible in in the span of those four actions that he gets to do, and that's great. But now. He's not taking Brace for impact. So if the dice don't go well, and I have a character like Beta Ray Bill, like my own Hulk, like anyone that can throw a size 4 character, I am using Hulk or Malekith as a bowling ball, period. It's what I'm going to do. So the opportunity cost is there, right?
2: I just just also want to quickly inject here. uh, I actually think there is an argument for removing Brace from the restricted list at this time.
0: Interesting.
2: Now, yeah, but.
0: now, Leland, that is a hot take.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And frankly, I think it's a take that a lot of people might have uh, very mixed feelings on. Um, but are, are are we going to diverge a little bit into this this particular take at the moment, or?
0: I'm I'm gonna put a pin in it because. Okay. While I personally agree that I don't want it on the restricted list, this is a can of worms. So I'm going to I'm going sure to I want to finish our discussion on deception first. So, OK, that example that I just gave there is kind of why I think a restriction of deception. Is. Is. Possibly not the way to go, and I, and I think that it just it, it's like I don't like playing against deception. I, I don't like it. Right. It's it's something that it's just not not good for me. But if you go to an event, you're going to see that Malekith-Cabal list like I talked about, and Deception is going to be there. And in that scenario, it's just hard. It just puts an extra level of pressure. So maybe having it on that restricted list so now the Malekith player can't use Advanced R&D, Follow Me, and Deception. Because that's... That's the combo, if you will, is you have those three Tactus cards. Maybe you bring in Midnight Phantasmagoria. Who knows what other, other cards? Probably Dark Rain is in there. So you've got those five Tactus cards. Let's just say that's your five, right? It's, it's Follow Me, Advanced R&D, Deception, Midnight Phantasmagoria, and um, Dark Rain, right? So you're just going to kill whatever it is you want to kill. So... What makes that combo so potent is you can activate Mystique early or late, doesn't matter. You can choose when you activate her, but if your opponent gives you a target to use Deception on, which let's not forget, Mystique moves long, and that and Deception is range 4, so you move Mystique long, you re your target, and then you advance R&D of power over to Malekith, and boom, he's got Ferocity online. Or you can activate Master Red Skull early. And he can go, he can give himself some power with some gauntlets, he can maybe interact with an objective, and then boom, he advanced R&Ds of power over to Malekith. And when you're playing a list like that, especially at 15, there's a non-zero chance that if you aren't playing a similar tall list with only a few activations, that you're unlikely to have priority. Or if you do have priority, let's say that the opponent has priority in that scenario, they had to activate first, and maybe they have more models. And so, therefore, clumping up and keeping together is harder to do and staying in the game. So, all of this to say, maybe restricting it to cut down on that combo could be something worth looking at. But, Leland, I want to get your thoughts
2: yeah, so I, I believe that uh, in the discussion we had on the on the discord on your discord the other day, uh, that was uh, referred to as one of the nuclear options, which I think might be going a little bit too far. I think there's other other approaches we could take uh, on this particular card that still kind of reduce the the ability to splash it uh, as much or you know make it as potent. Um, cause I, I do understand what you're saying, like in the, in combination with a couple of the other restricted cards, it, it does definitely ramp up quite a bit in, uh, in how you can make some, some lethal and potent combos. Uh, I mean, there, there's some different takes that I personally like on this one. Uh, but again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in that, you know, you tweak it the wrong way and it becomes dead. Exactly. Right. So one approach that you could go that I see thrown around quite a bit is it actually becomes an affiliated card. It becomes a brotherhood card. So you're not splashing it into cabals or or other lists and all this sort of stuff, which makes it a lot more difficult to get those really potent combos off. And it's just an extra layer of restriction without going as far as being on the restricted list. Right? Yeah. Uh, At the same time though, that might be going a little bit too far into the side of, well, it might be become a little bit more of a dead card at this point because now you're only seeing it in Brotherhood lists. So you're only seeing it, you know, you're not seeing it with this big Battle Cruiser meta uh, that's popping around or at least not as regularly.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. I could see that. I think that if you make it Brotherhood only, it, anytime someone's playing Brotherhood, they had that card in their 10, at least. Like it's, it's at a minimum, it's in their 10.
2: I think we're already seeing that quite a bit as it is anyway. Like, if Mystique's in the list, you know Brotherhood's in the roster somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, or sorry, Deception, not Brotherhood. But, so, yeah. I
0: was going to say, you could make the argument that there's probably a, a splash into Brotherhood there. But yes, to your point, yeah. If Mystique's in your list, Deception is in it currently. And I think that we can't divorce the two from one another, right? We can't, we can't separate. Mystique from deception because it is her card. Only she can play it. And I think when we have this discussion, we have to also look at what taking deception away from Mystique or from the splash ability is probably a better way to put it does to Mystique as a character. Now, is Mystique's popularity simply because of deception? Yes, it is, frankly. Like th- that is why she is played as much as she is. She's a good character in her own right. Her espionage spender is very good. Her uh, blow-up terrain superpower that costs an action, expert sabotage, is very good. Like we said, Freedom Force is a good leadership. She has martial artists. People can't use reactive superpowers when she's attacking them. So she's a good character in her own right. But if you take deception away from her either by making it restricted and and again you got to understand what i mean here you're not technically taking it away from her but you are in in that way you're you're taking a key cog in this character's kit if you will away from her so make it restricted or if you make it brotherhood only i think that i think that's an, a really interesting way to do it and again I think that having it only be played in Brotherhood makes a lot of sense. Really, Leland, I think that makes a lot of sense.
2: I, I think it definitely makes some sense. It's it's still not my preferred uh, solution to it. Um, I would much rather see it cost power of some sort. I
0: think that's very fair. Um, so how do you think that the power economy should work with a card like this?
2: Okay, well, I'm a bit of a jerk, and I ideally would love to see it uh, power equal like a, an X cost equal to the threat of the character that you're pulling in. But you you kill a lot of use in that card. I think it go. I think that very much does pull it into a dead card uh, territory on it, simply because you're not using it till round two, round three, uh, if not later, depending on the size of the characters you're throwing at you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, probably something a lot simpler of a two power cost. Just yeah. make it so you, she can't run it on turn one without an advanced R&D or a Wong or or someone to like decide siphon power over to her. Um, that solves the the turn one issue rather nicely, and it still keeps the power level of the card for the late game, the late game turns where it's still very potent. But this at least gives the other player a chance to engage in uh, the game early on without immediately being punished for it by having your early objective grabber being thrown into a very angry Hulk or Malkith or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I, the power cost of X thing. I think that's kind of funny and interesting, but yeah, it probably would be, it opens up its own can of worms.
2: It it does. And like I said, I'm, I'm a jerk in that regard. So <laughs> I,
0: I think the two power option is really good. I think my personal preference of like, if I see deception across the table, there should be a cost associated with it other than just move do the thing right now don't get me wrong there are plenty of cards out there right now where move do the thing is is a thing right like we've seen cards like this popping up a little bit more often right where it's it's very low cost or very minimally costing things or even no cost like i'm trying to remember some of them off the top of my head and for whatever reason I can't but you know whatever it is like there's plenty of cards out there oh my gosh Leland what is another card that you can not have to spend any power to do a thing
2: goodness like, you're putting me on the spot now so I know I'm trying to remember remember and I can't like there's there are definitely a couple out there um
0: yeah I'm yeah,
2: just, I'm just not remembering them off the top of my head here. Hood's gang. I'm actually just a, hood's,
0: hood's gang sorry? as Hood's gang as an example. That's that's one I that I don't know why I forgot it where hood can just do the thing. But the opportunity cost is that you have to play it on hood's activation. That's that's one right there. Right? So,
2: yeah, like I'm just I'm jumping through a whole bunch of different cards at the moment. I'm not all the ones that I would think could be eligible for something like that, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. A lot of them have some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, opportunity cost.
0: You're right, and that's and that's where I was going to say is most cards in this game have an opportunity cost. Whether it's something like no matter the cost, where you have to pay some some health to do a thing, or you have something like one below all on Immortal Hulk where you get a two power Gamma Leap or two power do do something else, you know. Uh, you've got a card like, pardon me, sugar, you know, where a Rogue can do stuff, like if she's within certain ranges of certain characters, and that doesn't cost anything. And it's stuff like that where I'm like, you know, that's kind of cool. Like there's a lot of little caveats, all of this different stuff,
2: but it. The closest one I can find here is got to get some air for Logan, but even that has the opportunity of cost of he can't contest objective tokens.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So when I say that, that there are plenty of cards that don't cost anything, not costing anything, there is still a cost, right? There is still a, a opportunity cost to do something and I mean I think the, the more egregious one if you will and I don't even think it's egregious like this is like Gamma Drain on Immortal Hulk I mentioned one below all earlier I was actually looking for Gamma Drain where he just is within range 2 and he just does the thing and yeah, the thing is though there's no penalty to the opposing character other than do you want to fuel up Immortal Hulk that's the only penalty so, when we're looking at Deception, looking at this opportunity cost, all of this stuff, I, I think that making it cost a power one, at least in some power, whether that's one, two, three power, I think it should at least be two, if not three power. But you are, at that point, taking it off the table turn one without extra shenanigans. And I think
2: that... And without reducing its potency late game.
0: Right. But if you only make it cost two power, then you're still not really stopping the combo I mentioned. Because like I said, Red Skull, Master of Hydra, can go and get himself two extra power. And then he has three power to play with. He can R&D one to Malekith, R&D one to Mystique, and still interact with an objective. So At least then
2: you're they're engaging with the game more. Right like it's you're they're still taking the active steps to build this combo and work the combo so it's not taking anything away from anyone it's just reducing a little bit of its post use uh, efficiency.
0: Yeah it's it's interesting because I think because that combo exists that the power cost of deception should be three but if that combo didn't exist then two power makes a lot of sense. And and you're right. You're interacting with the game in that way and everything, but you're not actually changing the biggest MPE around deception. I think.
2: And that and that's fair. And I, and again, it feels like I'm harping on this a lot. Is like it's one of those things where you know you change it too much and it becomes a, a dead card. You don't change it enough, and you haven't really addressed the issue.
0: So let's look at it in that way, right? Where if you change it too much and it doesn't get played a lot, do you feel like that mystique goes the way of a Medusa, an enchantress, these other characters that got addressed? Now, they were addressed directly, but do you feel like that she becomes basically... Like, Medusa's only played it in humans, whether rightly or wrongly. Like, I think Medusa's still a fine character, but she's only played it in humans right now. And Enchantress is rarely seen table time right now. Do you feel like that Mystique, you know, pays for the sins of deception in that way?
2: Uh, so, as war gamers, especially, especially these days, we have a very bad habit of being chronically online. And <laughs> a lot of the time, uh, we will very casually netlist a roster or a team and that means we don't we don't always put a lot of our own thought into our roster or squad building if somebody else has done something that works and is efficient Mm -hmm. and i think this is actually a perfect example of that because medusa enchantress these are still perfectly strong viable characters in the game that don't see a lot of play because they're no longer fire and forget models. Mm -hmm. Right. They're Mm -hmm. not, they're not an easy model that you just put on the table. You don't have to think about it. You know, they're going to do the thing and they do the thing. And I think depending on the changes to deception with mystique, I think she very much can suffer that same fate. She is a perfectly fine, viable character, even without deception, but she loses some of that, no brain activity. And I know this 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 is probably sounding kind of harsh and I'm probably getting some people yelling at me for this one. <laughs> and the point of this comment isn't meant to to offend anyone. I think I think I'm guilty of of the same thing. It's very easy to go with something that's tried and tested that you know is going to work that somebody else has put the the steps into to make work and it's a lot harder to to figure that out initially yourself. Um so yeah, I think just by the nature of of who we are as wargamers currently. And with the chronically online and the collaborative aspect of roster building and squad building that uh, yeah maybe, maybe she does join that unfortunate uh, cadre of, uh, of characters that, you know, for the sins of other things, they're not used.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I could, I could see that happening as well. Like if, if it goes away and, or, you know, restricted, Power costs too much. Only affiliated Brotherhood can use it. That kind of stuff. Then I think Mystique sees a lot less table time. I think she still sees plenty of table time in Brotherhood. So if someone's playing Brotherhood, I don't think Mystique goes anywhere, frankly. But the Splash, maybe even Cabal, because she's a three cost, she's a useful three cost. She's got that martial artist. She's got that stealth. The shapeshifter is an incredible superpower. So I think she's Cabal, which she's affiliated. So you'll see her there. And then I think she still splashes well into something like a Midnight Suns. But it's just interesting in that this topic has been so prevalent in a lot of the the online chatter that I've seen, even within the House Party Protocol Discord. I've seen this come about. So it's, it's one of those things where... That's why I wanted to talk about it today. And also, like I said, it's been almost a year since we got that card pack. And I feel like that this game's in a good spot, but there's always stuff that can change. So we've talked a lot about Mystique today, Leland, but I want to pivot now and take some questions that we have from our listeners over there from the suits in the House Party Protocol Discord. And do you feel like we've kind of said what we need to say on Mystique?
2: Yeah, I I think we're hitting a point where we might be starting to kind of circle around a little bit. So I think it's a fair time to kind of move off.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay, so we've got Corel Dorn says, If the game needs a rebalance again, should they look at redoing the core box character cards? Which characters would you like to see get a much-needed power boost? Leland, I'll let you take this one first.
2: There's only one answer to this, and it's OG Daredevil.
0: <laughs> He's not a core box character.
2: <laughs> He's not a core box character, but that's how badly he needs a power boost. Yeah. Um, but no, like specifically for the core box characters, I think the problem that's more facing the core box characters is that they're, they're actually fine characters, but they're not exciting or flashy in comparison to some of the newer releases we've seen.
0: I think that's really it right there
2: is. Except for Crossbones. <laughs>
0: Crossbones, yeah. Oh, good old crossbones.
2: he should move medium. Give him a medium movement and he's fine. Oh, yeah.
0: If he had a medium movement, he would be fine. You are correct. But uh it's funny that when we look at the core box and what AMG did with that core box, very incrementally throughout the course of that first six months to a year of the game, they they said, Okay, here's your core box, and these are your basic concepts. Within Marvel Crisis Protocol, like Zemo providing a re-roll, right? You had a charge mechanic on Zemo. You had a bodyguard mechanic. You you had the the different things that interact with each other in interesting ways. You had a long movement, a short movement, medium movement, you had all these different things, but it was all very basic as it relates to Marvel Crisis Protocol. And for someone like you and I, who've been in this game since the beginning, I mean, those were cool, fun, and some of them still are models within the game. But because we've had stuff like Baron Strucker come out, who has that strategic genius and a healing factor, and he's got these different superpowers, and he brings the leadership, you know, seeing something like that in comparison to someone like Zemo, not that not that one is better than the other per se but they're just different, you know what i mean? Or seeing a character like Black Cat come out and it's like, "Oh, cool. Now we have a stealth long mover who can steal objectives and oh, by the way, you can't reroll when you're targeting her with an attack now." Like, "Oh, that's really cool" versus the corset Black Widow, right? Which is obviously a two threat, but I think you understand what I'm getting at here in terms of the basic versus the exciting and new. And I think space Marine problem,
2: right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, really it's the space Marine problem. The, uh, if if you were to compare this to, to Warhammer 40 K, the, the humble space Marine with bolter profile, that is the baseline. That is what everything else is balanced around and compared to. That is the core box in MCP. These characters present the core mechanics and the core principles of the game. And everything else is built off that premise.
0: Yeah. And with that being said, I think that the core box still, by and large, holds up. Like, yes, there have been some changes, some rebalances. Core box, Captain America, as an example. But once he got touched, it, it, it pretty much holds up.
2: Iron Man and Core Box Widow are still staples of my Shield roster. Exactly. And Iron
0: Man got touched. But again... He got touched very minimally. And and when we say, well, you know, what, what needs a power boost from the core box specifically? I mean, Crossbones, again, give that dude a medium move, perfectly fine character. Maybe Ultron, again, could get a little touch up, but because Age of Ultron exists, I understand they don't want to, like, I think he needs more health, personally, but that's just me. But... Yeah, I can see that. But other than that, the core box holds up very well. And I think that... It's just unexciting in yes. comparison to other stuff. And that's, you know, Corbox Spidey finally got that extra health, <laughs> you know?
2: Okay. You know what? I, I take it back. Corbox Spidey needs some work as well, but that, that's a diatribe for, another, for yeah. another show, I think.
0: Yeah. So, so. you know, from the Corbox specifically, I, I think that everything's more or less Okay. You mentioned Daredevil. Which characters would you like to see get a much needed power boost? So let's think of boost, not necessarily nerf. Four-box Daredevil definitely needs four physical defense, like come on.
2: Just yeah. Br- bring him on par with Shadowland Daredevil. Yeah. Like quite frankly, Shadowland Daredevil does everything OG Daredevil does, but better. Yep. Even his spender is more efficient. His spender costs less but it has a higher base damage, even though even though uh, Devil's Deliverance has a higher damage cap, how often are you going to be able to get him in the middle of a scrum of like four or five characters to hit that 10 or 12 dice attack, right? Well, look, it's having, not
0: happening. having done it, it's incredible when it
2: happens. Well, I, I've done it once as well, and to this day, Troop still accuses OG Daredevil of being way too overpowered. <laughs> but, <laughs> troop, troop with the hot uh, takes. But it, it's the problem is, it's like, yes, it has a, it has a higher opportunity value to it. But if you're not getting at least two or three characters with it, you're not spending the five power for it. A, yeah. a six dice uh, spender for five power that sure, you're you're making a bunch of attacks and then you're pushing somebody aw- or pushing them all away. It's not worth it, especially yeah. when you look at uh, 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 Shadowland Daredevil. Who for what is it I think it's like is it three power and it's a seven dice attack like yeah. sure it's not an area attack but hey, you can make it an area attack on his exercise. side you can yeah you can make it an area attack and it's just then then you just look at the fact that he has more stamina he has better defense and he has stealth why doesn't daredevil have stealth I know I know look I'm right there with you right there with you. so look we're on
0: the same page with daredevil and I, I agree with you as for another character that needs a glow up, uh, there's a few, honestly. There, there are a few. And it's hard for me to choose just one. And it's hard for me not to apply my own biases when I have this discussion. And look, Suits, let us know what your number one character for glow up is. Leave us a comment, send us messages, all of that fun stuff. For me, it's, it's really tough, okay, this is really tough. Because part of me, and I'm gonna do the thing I usually do, I'm gonna say a lot of different things before I say the thing. Part of me wants to say, the Sentinels need a glow up. I think we could all agree that they probably do. But then there's other things where I look at, like, characters that I just love, right? That just need that little something, just, just some kind of tweak. And for me, it's Cable. Cable needs something. Because he's the epitome of just okay. And he's a character that I've run a lot, especially when he first came out. Like I haven't run him as much anymore lately because I just don't play him that much. But I ran him a lot at one point. And he just... He was this kind of big deal when he dropped. You know, the way AMG was like, Yeah, man, you know, we had to ban drop-off because of cable and and all this different stuff. So and we're it's,
2: still waiting to see the explanation on that one. Well, the
0: the explanation was because he could get to someone's deployment zone. Or like he could attack a deployment zone, which clearly doesn't matter because Cosmic Ghost Rider exists. But it's one of those things where when I see cable, I'm just I'm like, man, he's just so close to being awesome. So close to being awesome. And when you compare him to other five threat characters, he just falls flat. And I think that that's that's his problem. Like, if you gave him that sixth die on Plasma Rifle, I mean, that would be at least part of it. That'd be That'd be so nice or or some way to move characters like Omega level threat should be not only terrain, but characters as well. Cause he is an, a, an Omega level telepath. Right? So look, these are just my things like, look, pay for power. You can throw a Hulk. I'm for it.
2: No, I, I think, I think Omega level threat is, that's an interesting take. I think I'm personally okay with it just being, uh, terrain, because I mean, if you all of a sudden have a uh, a throw that you could spend power on multiple times to throw multiple characters uh, in a single activation.
0: Oh no no no! Ugh, that, this superpower can electrical. be used only once per turn. I'm oh not, yeah, that, that is not fair. like that Magneto. Fair.
2: Okay, I was thinking Magneto. Yeah. So
0: yeah, it's not like um, Magneto, so you can still only use yeah. it once per turn. But it would be range three and a medium throw, and you could throw characters. Oh man, like that would it's be a, an omega it would level. Become threat. one of the
2: best throws in the game.
0: It would it would and and like like these little changes to Cable would be and that's a that's a big change I think ultimately but like Cable is a character that I want to love I want to love this character I want to put him on the table more but that short move just kills him and then he has to use body slide thank God he gets two power on the start of his turn so that if he does get controlled he can body slide around but it's just yeah Cable's my number one choice.
2: I think Cable feels like a four threat, but because he has a leadership, you're paying that extra threat.
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's like he's just above a four threat, but he's also not quite a five threat. That's the way I look at it.
2: So, Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I'd also give him like a grenade.
0: Yeah, oh man. Yeah, some way to just guarantee that incinerate would be so nice.
2: Not even just to guarantee an incinerate, like just give him like a range four gainer.
0: Oh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Oh, you know, we're just solving MCP's problems right here, Leland. So, I'm Schultze says, we can all agree that a few characters need a light touch for balance reasons. What are some characters that need changes because they're just plain boring? Well, this is a great question, Schultze. Thank you very much for this one. And I'm going to go with, uh, with my girl over here, and that's Viper. Because while I don't think her kit in totality is bad, like in and of itself, but it's it's just kind of boring when you look at her her kit here. I mean, right? She's five, five long move, threes across the board. She has coiled serpent, which is functionally martial prowess. But she never really seems to have the power to use it because her displacement ring, which is a place, range two place, like, also interesting, but it's just kind of something doesn't fit right, right? And when we look at other three-threat characters that have a lot more to do, I think Viper. I mean, it just Viper is, is one where it's like, she's kind of boring to me, and if you gave her like a more active thing to do on her turn other than just move long and shoot someone with her assassin pistol or whatever. I think that could be more interesting.
2: I think that's fair. I mean, Vipers in a weird place. I I do think she gets unfairly maligned by the, uh, by the internet. I think she's actually a little bit better than we give her credit for. It's just, I think the problem is that there's other characters that just do it so much better than she does. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, if I were to choose one though, uh, I'm gonna gonna look at everyone's favorite uh, favorite doc, Dr. Octopus. Oh,
0: good old doc Ox. see, I like yeah.
2: he's functional. There's nothing there's functionally, there's nothing wrong with him, right? Like yeah. he is a decent enough character, but he's just he's just a little boring. Yeah. I mean, when you when you actually pull up his card, he's got what? He's got the two attacks. Mm-hmm. he's got the he's got the one throw, and then he's got scientific hubris and wall crawler. Yep. there's not a lot going on with his card. Yep. Like, even, even his attacks themselves aren't terribly interesting. Um, I do like that Strike has that wild flurry of arms, that wilds count as two successes. It can really make a four-dice attack pop off if you get lucky with it. And I like that Arm Lasers does ignore line of sight and cover. But it's just, eh. Yeah. It is what it is. And, you know, he's, he's a core box character, so he's probably supposed to be a little a little mundane, but it's just, it's unfortunate for a character that has so much, so much history and impact on the comics. Yeah. That he just feels a little, a little on the dull side.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned core box. Like he is definitely that like, could use a little glow up core box character, but I'm actually going to change mine. I'm, I've am i decided I'm taking, you know, Vipers, like the epitome of just okay. But like, I, uh, I definitely need to change some because again the the caveat was that it is a just plain quote unquote boring character right and ursa major it's that is that is the hands down most boring character in the game for me like look if ursa major is your favorite character out there that's fine like ursa major is a fine character it's sometimes but there there's it's just Dude, dude's a bear
2: he should be fun
0: Right, he's a bear and he should be fun, but he's he's kind of not. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, he's, I, th- I think that one's fair. Yeah, like like cool. He's got seven stan. He's got fourteen total health, so he's got as much stamina as a five threaded Modok. But like cool, <laughs> just I just yeah, Ursa Major, bro. That one needs some love. He needs some love.
2: How can they make a bear character and just make it? unexciting to play as the bear. Well, that's the th- I think he's literally just a bear.
0: Like I think that's the thing is that they were like cool, we're just going to literally put a bear in this game. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, the in hipster Brian Freddy says, "Do we think there's a solid chance AMG won't even touch deception because ideally there's enough tools to deal with it?" And that's the thing. It goes back to our dis- our discussion on deception. I think if they left it alone, it just warps the way you play the game a little bit. So, it's been out for so long. Like, what's changed that's made it so potent now? And that's just so many other releases. There are so many other releases that have special interactions with what makes that card so dangerous that I feel like it's time to take a look at it. And if they don't touch it, it's fine. The game is still fine but i think it's
2: I, i'm gonna push back i'm gonna push back a little bit on that one mm-hmm. um i don't think amg touches it at all yeah and there's two reasons for this first off i don't think that they want to touch a character specific tactic card yeah um now somebody can correct me if i'm wrong i don't think any of the cards that made it out of rotation were character specific i don't believe i have to um, go back and look Um, But I don't think that they want to touch a character-specific card. Like, they seem to be very hesitant about doing that specific thing. The other reason I think they don't touch it is because I think it sets a dangerous precedent. I don't think they want to set uh, a—they don't want to create a situation where they need to go back and rebalance a bunch of old stuff because of all the new stuff coming out. Yeah. And not because it doesn't need it or they shouldn't, but I think that is an undertaking that is going to take away valuable manpower from continuing to develop this game, and you know they're they're quickly releasing Shatterpoint as well. That's a lot of manpower uh, yeah. to take care of that so i don't I don't think that's something they really that's a can of worms. I don't think they want to go into, yeah no
0: i'm I'm with you, I'm with you uh roselad says if amg were to do a rebalance do you think it would be on the same scale as the last one so i don't remember exactly how many characters they touched up on the last rebalance but it was quite a few and i think that there's quite a few characters that could use some love so i mean i could see it being on that same scale leland what about you
2: probably it would probably be a very similar similar scale uh like i'm just i'm looking at the list right now it looks like there was 24 characters that got redone last time there you go uh and yeah you know what when we're looking at a game where i haven't done a head count on it but i think we might have hit 150 models by this point uh if you're only (laughs) redoing you know 20 20 to 25 out of 150 models that's that's not a huge undertaking uh i don't think um and i don't even think that many really need uh adjustments at this point like honestly i I think we could probably boil it down to maybe 12 characters that who really need a look at the moment to make them feel better or feel a little bit more viable
0: i I think that Um, when you say it like that right like if you if you just boiled it down to like the 12 most important things to change right sure but i think like we said earlier like changing Crossbones' move from a short to a medium, like, that is a change, but that probably wouldn't be, like, this huge thing, you know? But then you look at a character like like Voodoo, as an example, and his possession is so strong, and it's like, you know, you have you have to totally change how that works, potentially. Now, I don't think you do. I think, again, just make it come back to him when he's dazed, and it's fine.
2: Yep. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, we we see that they're willing to do that with uh, with Tippy Toe and Squirrel Girl, right? So right. why not uh, why not with Voodoo? Right. And that puts Voodoo perfectly in line. Like he's I, I always agreed that he was never a broken character, but he was a very oppressive character. Well, yeah, and I mean, that was a big part of it. Like there was there was just once Brother Daniel was on you, it's just like well you know enjoy having your poltergeist. He's here <laughs> with you now, and he's not paying rent.
0: No, he's just living rent-free, straight up in your head, and uh, yeah, you don't get to interact with objectives anymore, so now I hope you have the ability to kill things. Good luck. You know? So, yeah. It, it, when it comes to that kind of question, I think that's a really good one of, like, do we think it's going to be the same scale? I'd say if they do another one, which we have no indication that that's something that's happening other than they're going to do a card pack it's going to have the new crisis cards in it, I could see them doing something along those same lines. And and let's not forget, there's new characters constantly coming out. So we'll see what happens.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: One absolute says, do you feel that more characters need a bump up or more that need hit with a nerf bat? Ooh, this is a tough one, Leland. What what do you think in this? Because again, I'm not gonna go through every single character here. But to say, well, there's more that need this or more that need that, I think is tough. But how do you feel?
2: I I actually do feel that more need a slight bump uh, up as opposed to a nerf. Uh, I, I think I'm very happy in saying that a lot of characters to me don't feel busted or broken. There's answers to a lot of the really oppressive things. But you look at characters like, as we discussed, Cable or you know, take Blade, OG Daredevil, oh, Viper. Blade. Uh, there's lots of characters that you know just give them one minor tweak to their character card, yeah, and they feel a lot more competitive. They feel a lot more viable. Like one idea that uh, me and my locals keep pump, uh, pushing around, uh, going back to Blade because I have a very heavy Midnight Sun meta in my local. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, just this idea that uh, I I love the idea that you know if give Blade a superpower that says once he finishes uh, an attack targeting the character who has bleed, he can advance short. Towards that character. Yeah. Yeah, One simple little change. It interacts with Glaive. It interacts with Bleed. It makes sense he's a vampire. It gets Blade into the fight. It means you can possibly Glaive into a katana, for instance, right?
0: Yeah. No, I'll tell you. It's a very simple change. The the, the change that Blade needs, I agree with you. I think some kind of an advance when people are bleeding would be great. The simplest change for me. Give that dude
2: stealth. Why? Nobody punches him anyway.
0: That's the thing. If... You go into something like a Guardians and you're playing Midnight Suns, Blade is getting his butt kicked. In my experience. And it's it's one of those things where you're right. It's if nobody punches him, if they can't displace him a lot of the time. However, I've just been like, come on, just let me get in there with Blade. Let me just let me just get there. And then then Blade's doing okay. And to your point, these short advance would be great. But to answer Matt's question here. I think that a slight bump, more so than the Nerf bat, is what is needed right now. And uh, look at a character like Cyclops, right? Like Cyclops is rarely played, even within X Men, and he's a character that is solid. And I know Rose Lad out there is listening to this and being like, "Cyclops rules!" Look, Cyclops is great. He's he's fine, but he's just under tuned a little bit, right? And you give him something. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the answer is, but Cyclops could use just a little tweaking, and he'd be a pretty great character. So, yeah, I think I'm with you in the the glow up versus the the shine down. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that.
2: <laughs> except, except for Bullseye, that guy can go suck an egg. He has he has won troops so many games against me, I cannot oh, even yeah. begin to count.
0: <laughs> so we're running a little long on time here. So I'm gonna have to. Go through a few of these, and, and unfortunately not going to be able to get to all of them. But we've got the Octo Taco. He says, and by the way, congratulations to him. He just became a dad. Uh, he was posting about it in our Discord channel. So congratulations to you, Octo Taco. Very excited. And he asked the question of how early is too early to teach your kid to play MCP? And I was like, well, I mean, it's obviously too early when they're in utero, but once they take their first breath, I think it's fine.
2: All the power to him. Like uh, get get, yeah. If that kid expresses interest, like just I I hope that they can. I hope that he gets that experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, for instance, my son's nine and he has no interest in playing M C P. Not that I haven't tried, but he has no interest. So there you go. I, whenever they want to do it, that's when they do it. But his his real question is: characters can be rebranded in several ways, some more subtle than others. Of the following, what is your most preferred? An errata an affiliation update, a new or revised team tactics stuff, or stat card rewrites. I think the best way to handle changes to existing characters is stat card rewrites, but I think there are some characters that are notable omissions in terms of affiliations that could definitely change the way they interact on the tabletop.
2: Yeah, like Wolverine should have Rogue Agent, quite frankly. (laughs) <laughs> he's on every team I mean he kind of um, is but uh, I, I'm actually inclined to agree with you I think uh, I think some subtle stack card rewrites is, is probably the best way to go I think opening up new or revised team tactics cards becomes it's a can of worms that I don't know if they really want to touch it all that often
0: yeah yeah, I agree so. uh, next up we've got uh, Super Tilo this is I think going to be our last one I guess my real quote-unquote balance question is actually less about balance and more about opportunity cost. You see why this is my last one, Leland? Many characters seem to see play over others that are similar because there's less opportunity cost to playing them, sometimes alongside a powerful tactics card. Hello, Mystique. Which characters could or should see an update due to an imbalance in the opportunity cost to play the character so that's a really interesting question and i think that opportunity cost is really what a lot of this boils down to and a character like mystique right her opportunity cost she brings along a very powerful tactics card so Her opportunity cost as a three threat is very low. You can say, all right, well, I'm going to splash her in almost anywhere, bring this really powerful effect with me, and there you go. Whereas when you look at a character like Cassandra Nova, as an example, has a similar ability for one power printed on her card, Mind Possession. It's range three, six dice attack for one power, Mystic attack. After this attack is resolved, you may advance the target character its speed. But the opportunity cost is somebody out there saying well the opportunity cost is Cassandra Nova sucks but no the opportunity cost is she's a five threat character with a two physical defense and has seven stamina and six stamina and even with that much stamina that two physical defense is brutal on a character like this and you have to still move to within range three and do the attack you don't have to do any damage or anything the opportunity cost is that this character costs five threat so when you look at the at the the thing about opportunity costs and all of that i think leland and i, I want to get your take on this it's more about threat value than what the card is actually printed on but like a, a character like Malakith, as an example his opportunity cost is seven threat, but he brings such a potent combination of abilities and attacks and superpowers and all of that stuff, and a leadership that he doesn't cost that much to do what he wants to do. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I, I think I think you're definitely uh, getting to at least uh, around where where this uh, this idea of opportunity cost comes from. Uh, there's a lot of characters out there that we've also seen sort of like a an uneven application of of co- of threat costing. Like we, well, actually, let's go back to OG Daredevil and Shadowland Daredevil. Both of them are for threat, right? Mm-hmm. But but you look at Shadowland Daredevil, and I mean, he just does everything OG Daredevil does, but better with and with goons on top of all that. Yeah, right. Yep. Um. So yeah, there's there's definitely some characters that. That feel lesser overall because you can look at another character of the same threat value who just brings more to the table, who interacts with more aspects of the game, more of the cards uh, than some other characters, and that definitely plays a big part in in squad and roster building, especially in the competitive side of things.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that's a great question, and I think we could dive into opportunity cost in this game a lot more on another episode but Leland to finalize our thoughts here on this whole episode and I do need to go I do, this is I'm running a little long but I really want to I said we would put a pin in this brace for impact discussion <laughs> and and I'm ready to remove that pin because we need to talk about this
2: all right, all right. Well, the, the basic premise behind it is when, when Brace was around, throws were a lot more rare. We didn't see nearly as many throws in the game. I think in the past year or so, we have seen the sheer quantity of throws uh, and easily accessible throws go up considerably to the point to, to the point where it used to feel like Brace was, I was going to stop this potentially game-changing you know, once in a while throw that was happening. Now it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to stop this throw, but, oh, guess what? Immortal Hulk has two more coming at me, right? Yeah. Or, you know, you also have Malkith in the list with uh, with Ferocity, or there's a Beta Ray Bill wandering around. i um, like, there's just, there's a lot more throws that have entered into the game. And it just kind of feels like, as a result, Brace almost feels like more of a necessity than a really powerful way to shut down the person attacking you with said throw.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always said that brace was only there in the ban and restricted list because it was popular and and popularity does not necessarily mean something needs to be restricted. I stand by that. However, the fact that it is on the restricted list, I mean, I still bring it every time. It's just, I have nightmares of having things thrown into me. So it is something that I just, I don't leave home without it. And I know that there are people out there that are like, man, just try Just try playing without Brace. It's perfectly fine. To your point, throws are everywhere.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Brace has actually uh, exited my list. It's not in my roster anymore. I've, I've actually replaced it with Indomitable.
0: Nice. Yeah, look, I, if I'm running a big battle cruiser, Indomitable is definitely an option for me. Because I don't want my models displaced. With that said, though, I, I can't quit Brace. And... I would love for it to be off the restricted list. Absolutely. Let's say nothing changed on the restricted list. They just took brace off. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm bringing stuff like disarm or follow me again or patch up. You know, there's plenty of other cards I would bring, but brace would still be in every single one of my lists, just about.
2: I, I also think by removing brace from the restricted list, it actually puts a little bit more pressure on some of the really powerful character specific tactics cards we've been seeing coming out as well and that's that's another argument for it coming off the restricted list because we're now getting to a point where a lot of the power amg is putting into their characters these new characters happens to be in a tactics card that comes with them uh, rhino being a great example of this yeah right you know rhino on his own he's fine rhino with this is a robbery oh man okay rhino's really good now mm-hmm. um, so there we're starting to see a lot more competition for these five spots in your squad for uh for the tactics cards, so a card like brace making it off the restricted list, i uh, just i feel like it just puts some pressure on it. You can't just it the tactic cards aren't just as easily plug and play as they yeah. were no
0: I, I I'm with you I, I see that and uh and yeah, I think uh I'd love to hear what the suits think, actually. I'd love to hear what the suits out there think about this. And uh, you can send us messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. If you're interested in uh, joining us on the Discord that we've referenced quite a few times here, uh, you can check out patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can come and check that out. And just usually I kind of end the podcast with my little sign-off and all that stuff. But uh, today, if you're interested... Stick around because there's a little little fun thing that some of the suits put together uh, at the end of the episode. So just listen for that. If you want the, the hard sell on why the House Party Protocol discord is, like I always say, my favorite place on the Internet. So just just listen to the end of the episode for that. And uh, yeah, Leland, where can people find you?
2: I am where any anywhere good battle reports are viewed. Aegis Brand Studios on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Discords, like everything. If Just hunt down that name and you will find me.
0: Yes, check out the link in the description of this podcast and uh, it'll take you right there. And I love it. Shatterpoint stuff's on point and uh, your MCP content's great. I'm loving all of it. So keep doing what you're doing and all of that fun stuff. And suits also... Make sure to check out BattleKiwi.com and use the code PartyKiwi for 10% off your first order with them. The Battle Boxes are great. I love mine. Don't leave home without it. I know plenty of people out there love theirs as well. So make sure to take advantage of that. And uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a giveaway for Cosmic Ghost Rider. that's going to run through part of June and into July when he releases. But we're doing that for Discord only. And then after that, we'll come back with more giveaways for the public out there. We'll have another House Party Protocol League that's going to start. We're going to lead that up into NashCon so that way we can have some fun. And last time we had that just for the suits over there in the Discord. but We might open that up to everybody else. But if you're interested in signing up for that, just come on over and hop in the Discord and you can uh, get more information on that as it becomes available. And uh, yeah, more fun stuff. Common house party protocol. And I think I say that literally every time. And it's just podcasts, but I think that's fun stuff. And uh, yeah, but I, I like it. I have fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be more fun stuff coming. There'll be more things. But uh, yeah, with that, party on, Leland.
2: Party on, Will.
0: And power down suits, but stay till the end because there's a fun little thing. The House
1: Party Protocols, Patreon only Discord. It's a wonderful place where you will make several like-minded friends. Hi, I'm Ron Wick. If you don't like house-powered
2: protocols, then fuck you.
1: For as little as $1 a month, you'll gain access to an exclusive Discord where you'll be able to talk with the best people on the internet. Hey there. This is Brian Freddy and I'm part of the House Party Protocol Discord
0: because Black Bolt keeps me safest while I'm there and I get to speak on his behalf.
1: Twelve dollars a year. That's all it costs to gain access to Merzane's dungeon and his love for Omega Red. My name is Schultze and I love the House Party Protocol Discord almost as much as I love fluffy bunnies.
2: Hi, my name's half ass Ninja also known as Will, and if I go more than four seconds without mentioning Weapon X, I might die.
1: Other Patreon benefits include Bunny Picks, a Patreon-only online TTS lead, and the ability to ask Will and his guests questions. This is Cthulhu Taco, and I'm here to talk MCP and eat waffles. And I'm all out of waffles. Coming soon to House Party Protocol, Shatterpoint. Be on the ground floor this, uh groundbreaking content. This is Dar, a House Party Protocol listener, and I'm only in the HPP Discord to tell Will when he gets something wrong. Why should you join the House Party Protocol Patreon? Because you don't want to be a little bitch like Graham.